Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Tommy Tiernan podcast. I'm not entirely sure what I'm going to be talking to you about today, which is good, I think. Uh, this podcast will be horseshoe shaped as opposed to the completed circle. So it's, uh, I have, uh, I, <laughs> there's a big part of the show missing. Uh, and that's the way it should be. You know, um, in my imagination, uh, in my egotistical, self-referential, notional imagination it's when things are horseshoe shaped they are open to the transcendent and uh, when things are fully closed in on themselves they're missing something i mean it wouldn't be a great way to approach work really or homework you know coming into class and the teacher saying Tiernan you've only got three quarters of this done why is that i said well sir i wanted to leave the rest up to the mystery of god but that's the way this particular podcast is going to go today, is that I've, I've notions, but we'll see where we end up. Um, I started to run a few years ago, just uh, out trotting, and it was good. The best part of it was being able to run when I was on tour. I'd often come into a, a city, very unspectacular places now, like Swindon or Helsinki, and I'd, I'd, I'd go to the same places all the time. I'd head out some, I'd get there about 12 or 1 o'clock in the day, and head out then for a treble espresso and into a bookshop and back to the hotel and stuffed up with carbs and then kind of fall asleep and head out to the show. And When you tour on your own as well, even though you'd be with the tour manager, you and as you get older, you, you don't have that kind of gargantuan, gargling appetite for drink on you after a show where there's a kind of, a, there's a bandy, there's, you know... 27 members of the crew and there's 14 people in the band and there's crates of vodka and tequila and lines of lines of stimulants and tablets you could take that can completely change your perspective. So you just get into this rhythm when you're on your own of it's it's a kind of a it can be lifeless. Do you know what I mean? You just I've often been in the situation where 25 minutes after the show I'm back in the hotel room drinking whiskey by myself watching Newsnight. So, you know, you're looking for ways all the time to bring the miraculous uh, into the ordinary. So, 
uh, I started to go running. And the great thing about running is that you could be running round shitholes, but you still get something from it. I remember Southampton, which is a beautiful place, but uh, near the hotel, all there was was a huge industrial estate. So I trotted around that for about 45 or 50 minutes and it changes you. You know, I remember doing a, a Swindon, which is, which is a, they call it the magic roundabout. It's, that's what it is, is. You drive into Swindon and there's roundabouts off, roundabouts off, roundabouts. You wouldn't see it in the first clock. It was... It's a very confusing place, but that's kind of its calling card. Come to Swindon, see our roundabout. But going for a run up some housing estate hill and things just kind of change and it's uh that's the best thing about running. I remember running round Helsinki in my shorts. All the natives, all the indigenous people in fur coats and long trousers and there was me trotting down to the docks and back in a pair of O'Neill's football shorts. Change your mind, that's what it does. And if I don't get the opportunity to go running, there's a great line from a Leonard Cohen song. I stopped into an empty church I had no place else to go when the sweetest voice I ever heard whispered to my soul. And I often would spend time just popping into churches, you know. um, They're just... My idea of a church is this I wouldn't be a huge fan of the Bible in the sense that uh, I wouldn't cling to it I I turn to it Uh, but as my father said about religion "Ah, it's alright Tom just don't take it too seriously I the, the gospel according to Mark is a tremendous piece of writing scholars will tell you if you stop them and ask them if you know who they are, they'll whisper to your soul that the Gospel of Mark was written to be performed. You can listen listen to it. It's only just above the hour-long mark. Like it's, uh, It doesn't take long at all. And they reckon it was put together so that travelling evangelists way back in the year 34 and 35 could head around and perform this story. So it was written to be dramatic. And there's... Some of the other Gospels are are holier. The Gospel of John, I think people would say, is, is a... That's so... The, you talk about the, a horseshoe shape being open to the transcendence. Uh, John is almost a, a, a flat line. He's that open to the transcendent. It's all transcendent. Uh, the bit that's missing is the practical. It's like an upside-down horseshoe. Anyway... Mark's gospel is just, it's full of, and then, and then, they get up, and they walked, and they went here, and then, and he got the woman up out of the ground, and then, and then. And the apostles in Mark's gospel are awful Egypts. They just don't understand. And Christ is there telling them, Mother of God, I am sick to the back teeth of trying to explain to you. Can you not see? Can you not see what I'm at, what's in front of you? Like, Mother of the Divine. And... The Gospel of Mark ends in the most stunning way. It's such a challenge. There was an ending put on to the Gospel of Mark 
because people felt uncomfortable with the original ending. So the actual ending is where women, women go to the Roman authorities and they say, uh, we want to go, I think they were looking for permission to go to the tomb where Christ had been buried and they wanted to anoint his body with oil. I, I think that's what it was. That might have been done before, but anyway, they were on their way to the tomb. And when they got there, a massive stone had been put across the entrance because the Romans feared that people were going to steal the body and say that it was resurrected. Or something. I don't, you, I don't know. I don't, I don't know everything. I don't know much at all, actually. But that's not the point. The point is to keep talking. The women arrived at the tomb and the stone had been moved. And they went in and they saw the cloths that Christ had been wrapped in just on the ground. There was no body in them anymore. And there was a young man dressed entirely in white sitting in the corner of this kind of cave tomb place and he said to the women Jesus isn't here anymore he's gone and the women started to tremble because they were afraid and that's it that's the fucking end of it like and that to me is a shocking conclusion to the story. It doesn't waffle on about resurrection. It doesn't waffle on about different people meeting them and not recognising them. You go into the empty church and an angel says he's gone and that to me is what a church is a church is an empty tomb where you go in and fucking tremble in front of the mystery. Oh, Jesus, lads. One of the... Now, I went to, to a, a church one time in Toronto, which was the opposite of that, really. Um, I've been to the church in Canterbury, and I thought that was beautiful. Can't, uh, pilgrims would go there before they went on a pilgrimage I think they went to the Holy Land all the way from the south of England the other magnificent church that I went into was in Toronto and I, I was walking around Toronto um, and I saw this sign it may even have been for St. Mark's Church and now, the, I, you know, I didn't grow up with a huge uh, grow for churches. There was a lovely little chapel in the boarding school uh, 
that I went to. And we used to, my favourite bit of that was benediction. Every prayer and mass were compulsory in this Catholic boarding school that I was in. And we'd we'd pray in the morning and we'd pray in the evening. And then we'd, the mass was every day. Every day there was mass. It was optional, but if you went to mass, you got 15 minutes off study. So thousands of us went. And there was then, there was mass on a Sunday and the long prayers on a Saturday and there was also benediction on a Sunday and benediction is where the priest goes around it's a tiny little chapel now wouldn't be that much bigger than a bus like and he'd have this thing called a thurible and a thurible is a fantastic swinging ornament made of gold and silver and it's full of holy smoke and I just he'd he'd fill the place full of smoke and we'd sing we'd sing the most my favourite him from way back then in the late 1980s in a boarding school in Ballinasloe was Let us build a city of God May your tears be turned into dancing Something like that. Anyway, I went to primary school in Navan and in sixth class it was a brand new primary school built for St. Oliver Plunkett whose head is still in Drogheda. Um, so it was a the new primary school was built, but uh, so many kids enrolled that when it came to sixth class, th- there wasn't space for them. So we had to go over to the church, and we did. There was a room back when they were building churches back in them days, uh, in honoration of the Pope. They built these things called a crying room. Now, a crying room is uh, it's behind soundproofed glass. It's a little room just off the foyer. I don't know, do churches have foyers for reception? <laughs> Where the girl works taking names. Um, it's this room, it's in Dalva Blunkett's church, you go in and there's a, a room to the right, the size of a classroom, soundproof glass going down. And the idea of it was, I suppose, that uh, the men, uh, the holy priest... And all the holy people didn't want to be distracted of a Sunday by hearing children crying. You know, families would bring a few wains to Mass and we believe in one the Father. So, I mean, it's awful discrimination. Something's not right there when screaming children aren't welcome at a transcendental ritual. Something's gone wrong. Somebody is taking the wrong thing too seriously. And it was called the crying room. And that's where we went to school. And I just thought, you know, it could have just been easily full of mothers weeping. Women who'd had enough of the arsehole men in their lives. Women who felt as if they were carrying the burden of a family and no one was listening to them. So they were sent into the crying room of a Sunday. Poor they fucking... They were just... Oh, God. But God wasn't listening to them. God, God was in the main church with the men handing out the Holy Communion. The big church in Navan, St. Mary's, was nice. and um, uh, But I have gotten into this rhythm of, of going to churches. I like 
Uh, my favourite church is the small Mexican peasant church on in the Seer. And I say Mexican peasant because it has that, it's like the church in Furbo and I think there's another one on the road out to Clifton. They look like places that you'd find in South America. Those beautiful white peasant walls that looks looked as if they're they're finished by hand. With a bell, and I the one in Inesir is just the most gorgeous little church I've ever been in. I got into a trouble one time because I ha- went to the Gaeltacht there in 1982, and um, I got the awful dose of the giggles during mass one time, and I was told I was never welcome back to the Irish College. I mean, I. I have great friends on the island. The island is a great friend of mine now. But uh, in terms of the Irish college, the Coontor, there's other ways of pronouncing that. He said, uh, you're not welcome back here anymore. You think you're great coming down from Dublin, sneering at us. And all it was, I got a dose of giggles at, at the priest in at mass. That was it. But as I was saying, the most beautiful church that I ever went to was this one in, and beautiful for odd reasons. It was in Toronto, it was called, I think it was called St. Mark's Church or something like that. And I went in and it was full of homeless people. Uh, And I actually heard this conversation. I heard one homeless fella saying to another, you can do it, John, you can do it. And the other fella saying, I can't, I can't. I'm 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 no good at anything. And the other fella persuading him, you can, you can, I know you can do this. I know that you can go to that bridge and throw yourself off. Would you butt in on that chat and say, eh, excuse me, eh, what the fuck's going on here? Like, So the vast body of the church was given over to these homeless people and there was, um, I'm not sure if there was an evangelical side to it, if there was kind of Bible classes to the left and sign up for an Old Testament course on the right. So it was just... Uh, where the ragged people go, as Paul Simon would say, then they're just getting soup. Soup and bread. Body and blood. And in the corner, in the corner of the church, real humble, real anonymous, there was a circle of about eight or nine people saying Mass. Like, irrelevant really, in a sense, to what was going on in the rest of the church. Just quietly... Humbly, without fanfare or without declaring it to be an important thing for other people, just these eight people sat around in a circle saying Mass. I hope you don't mind now what happens next. I'm going to do something awful cheeky. I'm going to finish off, I'm going to read that particular bit of the the last bit of the gospel, okay, of Mark. And imagine this now as, as I said, written to be performed. So some sort of Gosson comes into the town dressed in nothing. Well, no, he's not in the nip. Like he has some sort of, he's a shtick for baiting bad dogs and he's a pair of sandals and he has a cloak, like a Franciscan cloak or some sort of a wraparound Clothes in them days were much more comfortable for men. Who, who's the cunt that invented trousers? Like, 
Trousers are a constant examination of appetite, aren't they? You know, but a sheet accepts you no matter what you've had for dinner or dessert or little snack just before going to bed. Anyway, so some guy comes in and he has this story to tell of this transformative event that has happened to human consciousness where the final step in human evolution which is a psychic spiritual perceptive it's not a physical it's not physical in the sense to it you can run faster or you can fly i mean this the psychic is, is physical isn't it in terms of chemicals inside in your brain but he's come to tell a story in the same way that the Upanishads in India told the story of Krishna and the final breakthrough. The way the stories of Buddha told of the final breakthrough. And in Jewish and Christian terms, this is the story of the final breakthrough. They can't all be telling lies. How can it be a, just some sort of foolish coincidence that in three different parts of the world, and I'm sure if you dig into Native American and mythology, that there does come a moment where a breakthrough Happens. So this is the Christian version of the breakthrough. Somehow itinerant storyteller comes in. And all the serious people of the village and the messers as well are gathered round. And this fast paced one hour story and then and then and then. And it ends like this. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning of the first day of the week they came unto the sepulchre at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulchre? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulchre, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment. And they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him, as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulchre. For they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. <clears throat> good luck, good night, that's all from me, <laughs> and gone. I mean, back in those days, you wouldn't even say that. You wouldn't even say that's all from me. Good luck. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to be in Kedron tomorrow. If please tell all your friends, no.
neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. And that's it, like. This is a story that is not going to do the hard work for you. This is a story that isn't going to tell you what to think. This is a story that leaves it up to you. The evidence has been presented. What are you going to do about it? No stories of... No, no story making it definite that he rose from the dead. No story saying people watched him fly up to heaven. No story telling you that he appeared with 50 million angels on the left and 50 million angels on the right. Just... Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. This podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 